0: field and on today's episode of how i got here we are talking with camila forbes the accomplished executive producer of the apollo theater in harlem so camila first of all thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me um like i shared earlier i grew up watching apollo with kiki shepherd sandman so i'm a huge fan of this historic theater and so i'm so excited to be here talking with you and your journey but i want to take it all the way back
1: all the way back to
0: when you were graduating high school What did you write in your high school yearbook when it said, I will be XYZ in 10 years?
1: 10 years, oh my God. Okay, what did I say? So in high school, you know, I was pretty fixated. I was always a theater kid. Okay. Um, Like from middle school to grade school, like my parents always took me to theater. So I knew that was gonna be a part of me, but I was leaving high school to be a doctor. I went to Howard University and um, so, but I think I had a plan in my head. I don't think I wrote it down, but to be a doctor and an actor. Okay. Somehow all at the same time. Okay. Uh, (laughs) really not realistic. Right. Um, um, But I think there was something about, for me, when I think back on it, there was something about the power of art and healing going hand in hand. Mm. And I knew there there was something in that that I wanted to do and wanted to be. Um, and, and, and at least wanted to manifest, okay. right, moving forward.
0: Yeah. So you were a theater kid growing up. I was up. a theater kid. What was, I just want to ask, cause I was a theater kid what? too. No what, oh um, <laughs> What was like one of the earlier plays that you, you oh, participated in? Oh my
1: gosh, okay, so participating in is a funny one. Um, so grade school, I don't even think I shared this story before, but grade school, I was um, one of my first plays I was in I guess some grade school teacher thought it would be great to be, do Star Wars. Ah. I think it was Star Wars. Yeah, I, she made up the play probably, right? Because <laughs> there's clearly not a play of Star Wars. Um, but they did, you know, Star Wars was a big movie back then, so I was in that play and I was so excited to be on stage. I mean, but then I realized I was cast as a as one of the, the Ewoks. The, yeah, the monkeys. Crazy, I know. Was that you know. racist on the left? So here's the thing, I'm getting triggered just going you <laughs> right now. <laughs> But I knew then, like, I remember I, I, knowing then that this was something I wanted to be a part of, for mm. sure. The second play, uh, one of the first plays I saw, though, was a play called Once on this Island. Mm. And I saw it when I was nine years old. And my family's from the Caribbean. They're Jamaican, so I'm first-generation American. And I remember my parents took me to this play, and I was going, it was a Big musical. It was a Broadway tour that had come to Chicago because that's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in the house and I remember hearing, like, it was Caribbean music. It was like Calypso music from the stage. And there was this little brown girl in the middle of the stage singing. And her accent was very familiar, like my family's mm-hmm. accent. And I remember thinking it was at that moment where I knew, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to create that magic every single day. I want to s- reflect my story. Um, or at least have a moment where I'm able to reflect the story of others, uh, but particularly, you know, specifically brown people, black mm-hmm. and brown people, um, and and create that magic in the theater. And it was that it was that musical once on the silent.
0: But you said that you went to Howard. I did to become a doctor. I sure did. So when did the shift change in your major decision? Yeah. I guess.
1: Well, you know, freshman year when I couldn't pass bio 101, <laughs> I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> songs got to songs got to change, and uh, I went across the campus and I was like, let me go back to what I love and it's theater, so I started signing up for more theater classes. Mm-hmm. Literally it was freshman year and I just like, you know, rolled in. And so
0: how did your parents react to that? Whoa, so right.
1: I said they were Caribbean, right? <laughs> exactly. Right? Like, what? They were like, theater what? <laughs> we didn't come to this country for that, we didn't send you to college for that. Um, so they you know they reacted strongly, and I think a lot of it was just not knowing the pathway for mm-hmm. success. Um, and I think in fields like entertainment and fields like arts and culture, there's not very much a clear pathway mm-hmm. um, for careers, um, or at least that is widely accepted and known amongst just our culture, definitely amongst society, American society as mm-hmm. large, um, let alone you know black and brown societies and cultures. so, um, which is part of the reason why I think you know here at the Apollo, very committed to our education program, but particularly our intern and apprenticeship program. It's called the Apollo Theater Academy, which is about introducing young people between the ages of 13 and 17 to these careers. Mm. Not on the stage that we all yeah. know about, right? But really behind the stage. Directors, producers, administrators, marketing professionals, these are paid internships, to really begin that introduction process so when you get to college, it becomes an option. Mm -hmm. you begin to think oh wait i think i could do that right that's not the pathway
0: yeah exactly mm -hmm. exactly so how integral was howard in your career journey to where you are today
1: yeah oh my gosh such a great question howard i don't know who i would be Mm. without I, i would be a different person if i hadn't had that experience at howard um there's something really special about Howard, and, 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 and it's not just Howard, because I believe like there's Howards amongst the world for us as black people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a safe space under which I felt seen, and I felt um, reflected. Mm-hmm. And I think at that age, as a young person, when you're still trying to understand yourself, you're still trying to find out who you are, learning about yourself in a space like Howard, where you are constantly being affirmed, where you have professors who are not just there to teach you, but who have a vested interest in who you become as a person, Mm -hmm. who you become as a citizen. Um, there's there's nothing like it. There was really nothing like it. And then on top of that, going to a school where diversity had a brand new meaning, Diversity wasn't about like okay the black kids the white kids the Latinos the Asians etc. Diversity was about well where are you from what are you into mm. right like really getting beneath the surface like and um, that was an exciting space. So to answer your question how integral it was very integral. I've met some of my closest collaborators at Howard that I still collaborate to today. Um, my husband's from Howard um Aww. you know we didn't meet there but we huh. met at a wedding later so i can say <laughs> i can credit howard you know um you know so i, I think my, my closest circles are Howard. so these are lifelong friends collaborators um, but also, you know, I think Howard gave me a real sense of self and sense of purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's the magic of HBCUs. That's like right. Especially yes, go like, oh, Right, like come on. We're going to, sh- we're going to get my school there up in there. Go. there. Um, go. but I think that's the magic of HBCUs, especially for black and brown kids. Like it, it reaffirms you have your magic and like, it makes you feel like included. Yeah. Um, right. and it gives you like hope around like what you, the possibilities of what you can do. That's right. So you graduate Howard, not as a doctor, not as a doctor, as a, was it a fine arts, fine arts uh, school of fine arts theater major. Okay. And so how did you get to where you are today as the executive director of the Apollo Theater? How did that happen?
1: So when I graduated from Howard, you know, um, like I said, even as I was talking about from high school, I did a lot. I, I was into a lot of things. So even in the theater department, I was into a lot of things. Mm. So yes, I studied acting. I was interested in directing. Um, I was a part of a collective in which we were, you know, making our own work, calling it hip hop theater. Um, hip hop theater. Yeah. What was that like? What I was know, that? What is that? <laughs> we like made it up. Um, kind of, sort of. But yes, um, you know, young people are always innovators, right? Mm-hmm. And for us. You know, we were studying theater at a time when we didn't see our voices reflected yep. and yes we were studying the douglas turner wards the adrian kennedy's the august wilson's but where this is the 90s early late 90s early 2000s like where are the young people's mm-hmm. voices right um i was also into hip-hop right music i was uh, at that time so i wanted to see aesthetically how we could bridge that world in theater um and a lot of my other compadres in school were interested in that experimentation um so we were doing that in college mm-hmm. we were writing plays that were you know sounded a lot like spoken word um used hip-hop music and dance um, so we were pushing the boundaries but yet theaters weren't necessarily like booking us all over the place because right. they didn't you know they, they just weren't right um young people in theater like there was definitely this very sort of stringent of what theater should and shouldn't be and didn't include our generation. So we started producing it for ourselves. Mm. That's what got me into producing. Um, It was trying to produce my friend's work out of college.
0: I mean, sometimes if you don't see something, you got to create it.
1: You got to create it. Right. That's exactly Mm -hmm. it. So I started producing. I started an organization with friends of mine called the Hip Hop Theater Festival. Um, And the festival was really meant as an opportunity for us um, to produce our own work. But then we started meeting other artists around the country and around the world, really, Mm -hmm. Who were also experimenting with hip hop theater. Um, So we met folks from the Bay Area, artists like Mark Bamuti Joseph, artists like John Z. D. from the UK, artists like Sarah Jones from from New York City, and we were curating all of them as a part of the hip hop theater festival. So we started producing festivals in New York, San Francisco, D.C., and Chicago. Um, And then really, you know, I realized that theater really became not only producing the work on the stage but also building an audience Mm -hmm. with work of other people and young folks who were like, oh yeah, I want to see this. This this speaks to me. So it was building a community, um, not just producing work.
0: Mm But when did, how did it, how did you land here at the Apollo? Yeah, so then... After producing the festivals. After
1: producing the festivals, um, I was producing festivals and I worked, I was working with a lot of spoken word artists. Mm -hmm. So amongst that, um, one of the, and I I knew a lot of them, and I was in New York at the time, um, and I had to try to get a household job. So I interviewed for this position to be an assistant. Um, Someone introduced me to Stan Lathan who is a major television director, mm-hmm. also the father of Sonali Lathan. But like one of, he, Stan is one of the first black directors in Hollywood, right? I learned about him in school. I interviewed, I remember putting on my best suit to interview <laughs> and be his assistant. And um, and he was like, you know, he was like, yeah, great interview. And then I got a call from him. He's like, yeah, so I'm not gonna hire you. I was crushed when I tell All you- because right,
0: what he call you for then? what he call me for? <laughs> exactly. I thought I just going to get a,
1: but what he called me for is he said, but you know what, there's something else I'm doing.
0: Mm-hmm. There's something
1: else I think, I think you might be good for, and I'm starting this TV show um, and involving poets, and I think you could be helpful because you know all these people because of the things that you're doing with, with your thing, mm-hmm. the M-Up theater festival. And so then I started working with him, um, and my first job with him, I was a talent executive, was my title, um, for Deaf Poetry Jam on HBO. And that went I could go around the country we were I would get VHS tapes at that time VHS it's so funny to say but um I would I would view all the tapes of the poets and I would cast for the show wow So
0: that was yeah, yeah. not that being one of your first jobs and then that's
1: crazy first job in television wow yeah it was great and because I think also working with Stan and I consider him a mentor up until today, you know, I elected mm. him my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's what you got to do. You just got to write, mm-hmm. like, I don't care what you think, but, you <laughs> got um, no, but he's, he was great. And 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 I realized he also mentored so many other um, black directors mm-hmm. in Hollywood, like so many other black directors I talked to who are much older than me. Their first call when they get out to L.A. was, oh, call Stan Lathan. Oh, he will wow. show you the ropes. So he always had this sort of like I'm, I'm I will teach you the path I will lay it out for you I'm gonna share as much information as I have um, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. so on that show I started off as talent executive rose to co-producer then producer then I executive Look produced. At that. yeah right oh my god no I know, I know. It was kind of it's kind of something but he, I learned yeah I learned on the job I was learning on the job how to build and produce television um, and then executive produced a series called Brave New Voices um, with Stan. And then and, and it really, again, it was an opportunity to get Stripes and then I started doing other projects outside mm-hmm. of that as well. Um, so then it was like, okay, I'm a TV producer. Along the side, still pr- directing works with my friends, um, writers who are now off doing a major things like Katori Hall, who's a playwright, but the creator of P Valley, mm-hmm. um, one of her first plays. Um, you know, we, we knew each other from hip hop theater festival days. Um, but also she was developing this play called The Mountaintop. And I was a director with her, kind of like trying to work it out. I would work with my friends like Dominique Morceau, who's another playwright. Um, and and now as a major play on Broadway, Ain't Too Proud to Beg with the Temptations musical. But we were working together and when she had ten pages of a play and trying to like, you know, work out work it out and like and and build the work and and cut our teeth and find our own voice as artists um so i continued to do that so i was was directing in television Mm -hmm. directing producing in television and directing for theater Um, started commercially directing for theater Um, and then also producing for other performing arts centers around the country um so i would do um you know and and so i i think all of that having my hands in all of that began then my path to Apollo. So then Apollo, what happened here was, they called me to be a consultant on a festival they were doing. It was mm. called The Breaking Convention, a hip hop festival, a hip hop dance festival, to be a consultant. So I consulted with them on that festival. I consulted in a few different ways. And then um, I got a call from a recruiter that you know they're looking for a new executive producer. And I was like, oh, no, no, that's not me. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I just move around. That's, that's, my, that's my thing. Um, but the more and more I started to think about it and, and be engaged in these conversations with the recruiters and the board and then the leadership, I thought, oh my, maybe this could be something. Mm. Um, because Apollo, as we know, is an 89-year-old institution, but was at an inflection point, I've been here now seven years and before I arrived, was, was really and continually at this inflection point is that we became a nonprofit 15 years ago, which means nonprofit as a mission-driven institution. Mm-hmm. It's not just about like the beacon theater who's renting the theater but what's the impact that we want to have with culture so you know what is the impact that we want to put forward so we do a great deal of that was the business model that the apollo was moving towards and so as a creative i thought that was exciting it's an exciting opportunity to put a stamp on the imprint of an institution Mm -hmm. a huge cultural legacy institution Um, and so then i came on board
0: so you said you've been here seven years Correct. How important has, I know you're very passionate about diversity, inclusion in the arts. How important has that been with like you implementing here in the programming here at the, yeah. the Apollo Theater?
1: It's, it's so incredibly important because I think, you know, diversity and I think it's my days at Howard, right, it means mm-hmm. something different to us here. Yeah. Right. Um, where when I've worked with other theaters, diversity was that one black slot. Diversity for Apollo, when you look at our season, it's Okay. We're doing a series like Africa Now, which is in in, in, in uh, which is you know celebrating the the diaspora. We're doing series that really explore and expand sort of the generational divide. Who are the generational voices that we're ultimately presenting that are part of our season? Um, what are the regional voices that we're presenting? Who are the artists? How can we make sure, like in a season, we may have an artist like Bilty Jones who's directed an opera that we produce on our stage alongside Teddy Riley. Mm. To us, that's the kind of aesthetic diversity, mm-hmm. right? Which is very different than I think other, any, um, other performing arts centers. Um, and, and we know that and we embrace that because again, we're one of the, um, you know, singular black performing arts centers in the country. Um, and, 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 and so we know that there's a responsibility around representation that's um, got to sit at our core.
0: So you're going to cut this up, right? Because I'm about to say something again. Um, so when you first got offered this position seven years ago, yeah. what was your vision coming in, for, mm. like, into this role? Mm. Like you said, it's a historic, you know, institution. Yeah. You have, you know, this hip-hop festival producer background, totally, Def jam poetry totally, background.
1: Totally. So my vision was I always held the Apollo in such reverence. Mm. Um, you know, when I first moved to New York in 2002, I remember taking the train up to Harlem just to see the marquee, because the building was closed at the time. Mm. Um, and I could only see the marquee, but even that was enough, right? So, but my vision, um, and then ultimately our institution vision, institutional vision, is how do we move an institution from reverence to an institution of relevance? Mm. How do we make sure that we are in the cultural conversation of today? Our programming has to speak to that, right? Our staffing has to speak to that. Our board has to speak to that. It's always, right? Because so often we have a lot of old historic relics within our cultures, within our communities. But who is looking forward and creating the cultural creators of tomorrow that we'll be talking about 75 years from now? You know, it's funny sitting in the theater, right? Because um, it is a magical place when we think about the fact that yes ella fitzgerald stood on that stage yes james brown yes billy Holiday, prince and the list goes on and on and on and on but our concern today is who are those artists that we're building that we're supporting that we're creating a home for that we'll be talking about tomorrow that's our vision so we have programs that speak to that um, whether it's having you know uh, being able to bring some of our greatest thinkers of the time into the Apollo. Like, you know, our, we started a program called the Master Artists of Residency. Um, and so our first master artist was journalist um, and writer, uh, Mr. Tanahasi Coates. Mm-hmm. He's been in residence with, uh, with us for the last four years. Yeah. Um, so we've been able to do really incredible programming with him. He's launched all of his major books here, uh, his major novel, Water Dancer, where he was. Uh, in conversation with Oprah on our stage, right? He's h- held conversations with him and Nicole Hannah Jones around um, his most his other book, Eight Years in Power. We've taken his book Between the World and Me, adapted it as a stage, a live staged version, theatrical version, and then made it into a film for HBO. So, you know, for us, it's all about like, what's the culture that we're building now? Who are those folks in the world that are making that culture, and how do we make sure that they see the Apollo as their home?
0: Mm. Did you receive like any pushback from the board when you first joined? Mm. <laughs> Just because I you're giving right? like fresh energy I'm into- i fresh energy. <laughs> um,
1: I mean, you know what's interesting is I didn't, they were actually quite- Excited. And excited um, for what's next. Um, and, and only got me more excited and only got, you know, and then an opportunity to build teams of people that would be more excited, mm-hmm. that, would, that would continue that excitement forward, pushing that forward. So yeah, no, there was no resistance. Although, I will say, and not resistance from the board, but one of the challenges, I think, being at an institution like the Apollo, where I can go in any country and you say Apollo, and people have an idea of what that is, Mm. is that people have an idea of what it is. Everyone has their own idea of what it is. So, and of course, look, you're PR, so you know this, Mm -hmm. right? But how do you cut through the noise of what is the path that we're trying to set and chart, right? beyond an 89 years of perception of what people hold true and dear, what the Apollo is. Um, how do you chart a new? I, I, I always like to say our brand, the name, is our biggest asset and also sometimes the th- thickest hurdle that we have to cut through mm. um, because of that, right? Because everyone has a perception of what it is. Right. Like, and, and that perception may be the perception of what they, you know, of their interaction, which is great and it's beautiful. Um, but also we're pushing it forward, right? That's our mission today.
0: I mean, the great thing, though, is like, like you mentioned, like the global impact of the Apollo Theater. That's right. I can't remember the gentleman's name that you introduced me to uh, earlier. Mr. Billy Mitchell. Mr. Billy Mitchell, you said yes. he's, he's been here how long?
1: 50, did he say 58? 58 years.
0: He's been here a long time. A long time. And when we came in, he was doing a tour, he said, with like Polish journalists. Yeah. So, like, that just speaks to the power right. of the impact of, in the impact of the Apollo Theater.
1: Completely, 100%, which is an exciting thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I've worked for other very reputable institutions across the country, and none of which has the kind of name, recognition, and power as the Apollo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's the kind of beauty of being here, you know, um, is that you get to kind of swim in that
0: mm-hmm. landscape. Are there any... I guess performances or collaborations that you hold especially dear to your heart that you've been able to work on while in this role here?
1: Yeah. Um, so, one of the first performances um, that I did actually prog- not just program, but was able to produce and direct, which was the adaptation of Ta Nehisi Between mm. the World and Me. Um, and I remember I'd read his book, we went to Howard together. Um, and I read his book, um, and he gave me an early copy before it went to print in 2015. And I thought, oh my God, I can't just read this by myself. I'm in tears. I wanna share this with the world. And the, way, the only way I knew how to do that is through theater. Um, so I always had this concept kind of beer brewing in my mind. Um, so when I came here and started here in 2016, but 2018 thought, okay, what if we were able to stage this as a live theatrical Mm. opportunity right like as a live theatrical play Um, but not like a play where there's characters but almost like a reading right so we took passages of the book and invite the community in to read um and by community you know it was the artistic community it was a neighborhood community so we had readers like um one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. We had readers like um, Black Thought from the Roots in Common, um, Angela Bassett, um, um, Mark Bamuti-Joseph, um, Greg Reed, um, a br- brilliant actress, Michelle Wilson. And so brought them all together and also created an incredible score by Jason Moran, who is the artistic director of jazz at the Kennedy Center and just like a MacArthur genius or mm-hmm. not all exactly. <laughs> but brought them together to be able to kind of build this community witnessing mm. of ta book, which is all about what do I say to my 15 year old son of how to be a black boy into being a black man during the age of Trayvon Martin, mm. right? Like that's a story that is heavy yeah. that we've had to bear individually heavy as individuals, as black people, as black men and women, but how do we bear the weight collectively, which is what I think performance and theater is really meant to do, right? Yep. So um, that was something that was near and dear to my heart because it meant something. It was, yes, it was a beautiful and gorgeous performance, but it was about stirring a conversation that was urgent in our community, that remains urgent to today, mm-hmm. that was especially urgent in 2020. Um, we did that performance here at the, at the Apollo, as well as the Kennedy Center had planned a 20-city-wide tour across the nation, um, and then the pandemic happened. Um, and so there was no tour, but then, of course, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor happened, yep. which made that piece that much more urgent. Mm-hmm. Um, but we couldn't do anything, right, because, obviously, pandemic, everything
0: shut down. Exactly. Yep.
1: Um, And and so artists gonna do what artists gonna do. So Mm -hmm. we decided to brainstorm, well, we need to get this out. So in the midst of the pandemic, we made a film. We shot, edited, and produced a film in five months.
0: Wow. um, Because
1: we wanted it to be out. To make sure I got- We got out timely during that time, but also by the time of the elections because George Floyd and the protests were happening in June of 2020 and the elections, a very important one Mm -hmm. as we all remember, Mm -hmm. was happening that October. And we knew this was a piece of work that needed to be out during that time so that it could be a part of that conversation so that's one of the work i will say that is very near and dear to my heart but also speaks to the core value of who this institution Mm -hmm. is as an intersection of cultural arts and arts and activism um, and also who i am personally
0: you talked about like really preparing the next generation of artists What is some words of advice that you would give, you know, up and coming artists, folks that are looking to get into to the theater, especially black artists? That's what I want to say.
1: Um, well, I mean, I think one of the words of advice I would say is that number one um, is that I think sometimes your biggest assets are sitting right next to you. Mm. So many times I think we think it's that, you know, we've always been told when when someone opens a door. You can't wait for the door to be, or get discovered, right? Mm-hmm. You're always waiting to get discovered, right? Um, when actually, you're clo- the folks who you will be working with and building with throughout your career are right there. So build, right? Um, so build. So build.
0: And I think that speaks, like, especially to your journey. Because you, you say, like, some of the biggest collaborations that you had are all people that you you went to Howard with.
1: That's right, that's
0: right. Um, so what's next for you?
1: That's what's next, yes. I
0: know you got some projects in the works.
1: Absolutely. One of the works, I think, when I think about also the where we're, Apollo is headed is around that we're building and expanding for the very first time. That's crazy. And that we are, um, we have two theaters in our historic building, um, but we are, um, uh, are expanding to two additional theaters next door to us at the Victoria Theater which will have two spaces um, that will open this fall. Oh, so wow. it will be a part of the Apollo's campus, a performing arts center. Um, so these two spaces will have a major renovation here um, in this theater that will be happening next year as well. So there's a lot of newness that's happening here at the Apollo. Um, one of the other newnesses, from a project perspective is a, a project that Apollo's actually one of the producers on. It's a commercial production of the musical of Soul Train. Ah. That we've been in the process of developing. Uh, Dominique Morceau, who I mentioned okay. earlier, is our book writer. We have a fantastic choreographer who we've also produced here, Camille A. Brown, mm. um, who is just legendary. And uh, Quest Love is one of the producers as well. Nice. Uh, so we'll be um, developing and producing that over the next year. Uh, before it comes That's back exciting. To New
0: York. Yeah. So when does that come back?
1: Uh, so uh, we don't know yet when it comes back okay. to New York, but it will go up in San Francisco this fall.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I also know that you're a mom. I'm a mom. So how are, what does work-life balance look for you?
1: Uh, work-life balance. So you know what's funny is that, you know, when you asked me the question about um, my vision, what, when I got offered the job, what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. So I was seven months pregnant when I got offered this role. Oh, wow. I was interviewing pregnant. And I was like, "They're not gonna get it to me. I'm about to this baby. <laughs> right. I need to be on maternity leave. I just, you know, but we gonna play along. I'm gonna just show up to the interview, right? Um, and I also thought, how am I gonna do this as a new mom? Yeah, I'm going to have a, I have a wonderful partner. My husband is fantastic, but the the hugeness of just being a working mom, it, it felt a lot, right? Yeah, um, and, a, and a and a and and coming here at that time, um, so. But it's been a balance, it's been a juggle. A lot of times what that looks like is when we have Saturday programs. Satya has her favorite seat, which is right over there. <laughs> the house left, where she's backstage with me, she's in the theater. Um, one of my mentors and college professors, I remember when I got this job, was actually a really amazing actress and mother, Felicia Rashad, told me, she said, when you're away from your daughter as long as we are working in the theater, you've got to bring them. Mm. You've got to bring her so she knows where mama is late at night, early in the mornings, on the weekends, when she's not around. So Satya comes to all of, all of our shows here. Um, she loves to tell people. My mama works at the Apollo. Oh, I mean, she's
0: proud. She's
1: proud. She is. Um, but she's here a lot, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the ushers. Everybody knows her. <laughs> and she runs up and down. But I, but I, I think it's, a, you know, I was, um, I, I'm happy to do that mm-hmm. for her or, or make sure that she's here. But it's a balance. I feel guilty a lot. Yeah, you know, working moms. Yeah, so I feel guilty. That's real. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I try to balance it, you know, by trying to be present when I can. And she gets to come to the Apollo. And she gets to come to the. Listen, she don't know how good of a life right. she got. Right.
0: Or just, just the Apollo. <laughs> it's the Apollo. She'll she'll appreciate it. She, if she's I hope
1: so. Up. I hope so. I hope so. She she enjoys it when she comes. She does, yeah.
0: And I think, when, you know, when, when she gets older, she'll look back and be like, yo, I was at the power with my mom. She did X, Y, Z. Oh,
1: my gosh, yes. And you know her favorite. So I used to bring her because Winter Wonderland. We do a thing around the holidays called Winter Wonderland. And we have gospel choirs that sing under the marquee. Ooh. Um, we have our amateur night children's show that happens here where all the kids, the best of the best, perform on the stage. And this show is like American Idol like none other. And that happens on the stage. But then, really, we got Black Santa on 125th Street. Black Santa. Yes. So every single year, I would bring her. I bring her to Winter Wonderland so she could sit on Black Santa's lap. I'm
0: going to bring my kids to come see Black Santa, because they all they see is White Santa.
1: Come to the Apollo and you will see Black Santa. (laughs) I'm bringing them. Yes. (laughs) Oh,
0: I love that. You're here every day.
1: I'm here every day.
0: How often do you come by stage to like get a little good luck from the Tree of Hope?
1: I should probably come by more um, to, to, to touch the Tree of Hope. I actually do a lot, actually, because I always enter through the stage door. Um, even though my office is upstairs, I could come through the front, the administrative office's door, but I like coming through the stage door and then I pass by the stage and I pass by the Tree of Hope, and it's almost like a little reminder mm-hmm. of why I'm here and why we do what we do and who has come before.
0: That's what I was gonna ask. Like every day when you come to work, are you like, when you come through the doors, are you just reminded of just the magic and history and legacy of the Apollo Theater?
1: I am. um, I'm reminded of the magic. I feel the magic.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you're creating it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: But also, I feel a responsibility. I I feel like almost a privilege too. Mm -hmm. Like I get to be here it's more than a job for sure. It's, um, it's a real, it's like I, I get to be here and get to be a part of this long lasting legacy of the Apollo theater. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we do our little part while we're here mm-hmm. and, um, no, it's a, it, it's a very privileged position, um, to be working here at this time.
0: I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Great. And so, I want you to just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. OK, OK, all right. Um, real quick and easy. OK. So what is your favorite play or musical of all time?
1: Once on the Silent. Uh,
0: do you prefer like the original production or revival?
1: Oh, I love the revival that Camille did. Her <laughs> choreography was amazing. Yeah.
0: What's one thing that people may be surprised to learn about you?
1: Uh, that I'm a track star.
0: Oh, what you? OK, let me do that. Can you share a personal quote that you live by?
1: Mm, Walk through failures slowly.
0: Walk through failures slowly. I love that. Go back to the track question (laughs) real quick. What what did you run? Hundred meter hurdles. Ooh. Ooh. Okay.
1: I love that. I just put myself as a track star. So I ran in high school. I I was gonna say. say, I was
0: gonna say. Did you run in college? No. No.
1: No. but I am a track, you know what I'm yeah, saying? In your like, head, in my I, I mind, hear you. Like, I ran
0: track in college. I wasn't, oh, so I wasn't good. College. I wasn't. I quit like maybe after my first okay. yeah semester there. I ran a high school. Okay. Didn't do the hurdles because I was just scared I was going to fall right. over. I, I did like the 300. It's a good yeah.
1: race. Yeah. It's a tough race. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. we're
0: here. So outside of um, the upcoming production of Soul Train, yeah. What's next for you personally?
1: What's next for me personally um, is, I, I, I think it's like life hmm. balance. I'm always trying to find balance.
0: Whatever that looks like, Whatever right? Whatever
1: that looks like. I think that's like my, I'm always on a constant search mm-hmm. for how to make that happen,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Camila, thank you so much. Drina,
1: thank you. Thank this was you. Awesome. Yay. I'm glad yes. you had a good time. Drina slash Oprah.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. We're going to claim it, right? We're in the yeah. Apollo. We manifested oh, things. Yeah uh thank you so much for letting me thank come here really today to chat it. with you thank you absolutely. for opening up your schedule absolutely. opening up the theater absolutely i appreciate absolutely. you no, it's an honor to have you here and thank be involved you
1: involved in this conversation and this series yes and oh, i'm excited I'm to
0: see here. the soul train musical yes i want to see it
1: and me too we still built it me too. it's gonna be magical and it's gonna be magic <laughs>